middle age. Sometimes uh, churches make themselves irrelevant because they don't talk about the stuff we're in. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen here. By God's grace, we'll continue doing our best to be relevant. And I really give most of the credit to that to uh, Pastor Devin, who has this unerring desire to dive into the uncomfortable, the stuff, the elephant in the room stuff, the stuff nobody wants to talk about, but it's bugging us. It causes us to lose sleep at night sometimes. It causes us to get in fights with our relatives. It splits marriages. He talks about stuff like that that really should be dealt with. The Scriptures, the Bible, is the most practical book and the most infuriating book and the most complex book and the simplest book all at the same time, kind of like our God. You know, our God is love incarnate. Our God is righteous judgment because He's the only one that can say this is right and this is wrong. He's the only one that knows every detail of our lives, and He can make a judgment about our lives without erring. He doesn't need an explanation. He was there. So He's complex. So I love the fact that Pastor Devin has steered us into these things that we're dealing with. And the goal of this series is to help not only us get through the seasons of life in one piece, but to relate better to different people in different seasons. The problem with middle age, right off the bat, is that we get caught up in doing stuff. We're very busy. You're middle-aged. I'm going to define middle-aged here in a minute. Some of you are really squirming, hoping you're not there yet. Others are kind of squirming, hoping. Yeah, okay, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, when you get caught up in doing stuff, you lose track of who you are. Uh, and sometimes you get caught up in doing stuff because you're being driven, pushed, and shoved by your circumstances, by society, by everything. So we're going to find out what we can, what can we do about this thing. Life isn't a sprint. There are times when you are running for your lives or you're sprinting for a goal. Uh, you're burning the midnight oil to maybe get a promotion or land a, a sales deal or do something to get your college degree uh, to bring that baby home, you know. But it really is a marathon. It's a long-distance marathon. While we were away, somehow I ended up watching a series on the Iron Man guy, the guy that did 50, the Iron Cowboy, where he did uh, 50 Iron Man marathons in 50 days in all 50 states. He did it, nearly killed him, but the guy pulled it off. But watching that, I began to realize that's kind of a picture of life. You know, if you're not familiar with Iron Man, which I'm not, it's, it's, it involves running for how long? You guys happen to know? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a lot of miles, and then you swim two and a half miles, and then you uh, bicycle 50 miles. 100 miles, 120 miles. Okay, some of you guys actually know. I've known one person in my life that did that and actually trained for it, and that was Brian Robinson. He lives in... Tulsa or Oklahoma City, I forget where. But I mean, that's the only guy I've ever known that did that kind of stuff. You know, you have to have a piece of your brain missing. But anyway, he did that and did fine. But that's kind of a picture of what life is like. We have incorrect pictures of what life is like, and it creates unending problems for us. We do that when we go into marriage, partly because that's the way it is. You're never going to know what married life is like until you're married. You just 
aren't. It's not going to happen. You can do all the research in the world, read books as higher than you are. You can do all kinds of stuff, and it will help. Probably the best thing you can do is talk with people who are married and learn a little bit, but still you won't know till you do it. Well, life is that way, and each season of life is that way. And what God didn't want, God didn't want us to go into each season with a master's degree about what we're facing. He wants us to take each day a day at a time in Him and learn to trust Him. In fact, everything God does leads us to sit at His feet, everything. Mary and Martha were both busy. They both cared about getting things done in life in their particular season. But Mary was praised because she chose the best thing, to sit at the Lord's feet. And uh, we need to learn how to go through each stage of life with the Lord firmly in our sight and listening to His words. These songs this morning... They were my heart for this message. I, I cannot believe. And I didn't talk to anybody. And you just, it was just so good, so anointed. Uh, as we've talked about earlier in, in this uh, series, as kids and teens, we kind of sprint toward the dream of adulthood when we'll have the pinnacle of everything in life. We'll have freedom. We can drive. We'll have money. Of course, magically, we can't figure out how that money comes around, but we know that when we are adults, we're going to have money, lots of money, because mom and dad always have it for us. And um, then when we hit young adulthood, we do discover kind of the unfortunate side of work. You actually have to work to get the money. We kind of get that down. But then we sprint toward a lasting relationship and perhaps children and stuff like that. Then when that happens, we have uh, some discoveries that happen. That usually leads us into middle age. So what exactly is middle age? Uh, U.S. Census defines middle age as being from the age 45 to 65. Does that make any of you feel wonderful right now? Uh, it gets better. Okay. Um, Merriam-Webster decides to save one year, and they trim it down to 64 because 65 is the official government retirement age. They push you out whether you want to go out or not. Okay. Uh, that's my group. Okay. Then uh, a prominent psychologist, he's prominent because he's different from what the other psychologists are saying, I guess. He sticks out. You know what happens if you stick out? You know the lawnmower principle? The weed that sticks out? <laughs> anyway, he says middle adulthood is between the age of, you're going to love this, 40 and... 65. He goes down to 40. Doesn't that make you feel great? <laughs> Welcome to middle age. Forget it. Julie dismissed that. My, you know, Pastor Juliana says, no, 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 no. Actually, you did. You said you liked it 40 to 60. She's my in-house expert. Okay. The problem in this season is that it, the troubles of life don't come one at a time. In reality, they don't at any season, but especially in the middle age season. That hectic pace, uh, there are more people that you're concerned with. When you're a young adult, you have serious concerns, and they're genuine, and they matter. They really do matter. You have, you're facing some serious unknowns, and you realize that a misstep might cause some problems. So those matter, but when by the time you're in middle age, you have the consequences of a lot of your choices laying at your doorstep. You, by that time, if you marry, 
maybe by that time, maybe on a second marriage, I don't know. It happens. But I mean, you've got consequences. You have, you've sown your seed and now your seed's running around climbing the curtains or in your pocket, emptying your pocketbook. I mean, you have all these things happening and you're responsible. You have mortgages, you have car payments, you, um, uh, you, just, you just have a lot of pressure on you. And so when problems come, the old rule is when it rains, it pours. In middle age, they tend to pile on. Uh, at the beach um, this time, we were just at the beach. It was wonderful, but um, it was a great day. Pastor Devin and I are of the same type. We like rough surf more than we like the calm stuff. So that may change later on when we might die. But anyway, we liked it this time, but you get beat up. You really get beat up. And a great surf, it just keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. So you just barely get your breath and one knocks you down again. And you just love that. We'll go out all day long and come back exhausted. And we pay a lot of money to do that. <laughs> Something's wrong with logic here. Okay, anyway. And then we want to move down there, of course. Everybody wants to move down there and be beat up by the surf and pay a lot, even more money to do that. Uh, it's really easy for people to feel taken over when this stuff happens that fast. Um, Pastor Devin, when he was uh, ministering early, talked about it, it, it looks like everything narrows down. If you look at what we think and how we act, there's a prime season of 15 years when everything's supposed to be perfect. You get the most money, you... you uh, have great relationships and uh, everything's green and it just looks like everything's coming up roses for 15 years. So before that, we're running to reach the point when everything's perfect and we have maximum freedom and we're the king and queen of the world. And then after that 15 years, it's just a slow slip down the slippery slope to the watery end. Isn't life great? I can hardly wait. It's already over for me. What am I talking about? Do you see where this kind of thinking leads us? It's not good, and it's not correct. It has nothing to do with reality. We need to get back to reality. The truth is every season has incredible opportunities that are not available in the other seasons. The truth is that people in each season need the folks in the other seasons. If you go outside of that truth, you end up subdividing your population, your families, your own home, your own marriage. And you deprive yourself of the wisdom of the aged. You deprive yourself of the energy and the strength and the fresh vision of the young. You end up waiting to get something, then spend the rest of your life regretting that you missed that 15 years. What did I do with those 15 years? It all looks like anxious waiting, a little bit of happy time, and then long regrets, kind of like our drive home from the beach. <laughs> oh, my goodness, this is fun. The beach keeps coming up. I don't know why that is. Okay, I've already dealt with that. That takes care of page one. Throw it down there. Okay. Middle-agers are kind of like... I. I don't know much about them, but I like to learn from nature whenever I can. I like to look at, when I look at herds of cattle, first of all, they scare the fire out of me, but I like to look at them and I notice that the seasoned ones are the ones with scars. No matter what kind of animal, I have a uh, kind of a slightly aging husky 
uh, German shepherd, and he's got a notch out of one ear. What does that tell you? He's been in a dogfight or two. That tells you that he has the experience. Don't let your ears get around a more experienced older dog who knows how to nip you where it hurts and leave a lasting mark. He's seasoned. So when you're in middle age, you actually are one of those more seasoned, scarred members of the herd. Your, your duty in that life is to be a guard, to protect, to train the young, to shelter the young. And uh, it really is true. And we get all, all lost in our modern society. But there are certain things that are true for every culture, every age, anybody who is human and who breathes. Some of these truths never change. And anytime we think they do, we're in trouble. The way we go about stuff changes. And the distractions change. But these principles about how we need each other as a community, that doesn't change. And so that's what we're talking about. By now, you scarred members of the herd, you've experienced countless trips to the DMV. You have probably attended a lot of round-robin little league tournaments and seen adult children run around acting like fools. You have been through endless recitals. You've had 12 years, perhaps, of interesting, informative teacher conferences. You have um, had... Uh, Births, deaths, new car purchases, lots of trips to car repair shops. I won't mention the one in the church that has a very good shop that you can go to if that happens. Um, you've probably worn out the line, but life isn't supposed to be this way. You've said it quietly, privately, not mention it to the spouse who's next to you, meaning, but he's not supposed to be this way. He was supposed to be perfect. He's supposed to be a Prince Charming. He's not supposed to run out of money. Okay, two words describe my experience in middle age. Because you see, as uh, now on the south side of 65, I am no longer middle-aged. I am now very close to the grave, evidently. Uh, but two words describe my life, hectic and numb. That was my middle-aged life. And that's not describing someone who did it right. My alternate words are driven and numb. I actually meant hectic and weary, but driven and numb. And uh, that numbness, it comes, uh, a loss of vision comes when you grow numb through the cycles of life. When you're hitting it so hard, um, my lovely bride puts it this way, she is tired of the rut. She wants us to creatively think about making the changes necessary to have quality of life. And that goes for any stage of life, but we've got to do that. Oh, that got a clap. You should be preaching this. All she has to do is have me in her mind, and she can preach a great sermon, because I am not up here as an expert. I am here as a poster child of how not to do middle age. All you have to do is talk with Pastor Devin. He was a witness and a victim. Uh, <laughs> he was. He survived anyway. I don't know how. He came out great. I love it. Uh, but the repetitive cycles of those waves of life banging into you, they create a numbness. And in the previous, some of the previous teachings that Pastor Devin's done, particularly when he talked about the teenage 
uh, season of our life. Being numb and not paying attention to pain is very dangerous. Our Creator, even in our physical body, gave us sensations of pain not to inflict torture on us, but to preserve our life, the function of our limbs, to warn us that things are wrong and adjustments need to be made. So when you have pain, you don't ignore it, you do something about it. You pay attention to it, you research it, find its root cause, and see if you need to do something to change it. And we don't do that. When we're in middle age, we are so stinking busy trying to stay ahead of the ogre behind us, trying to keep the uh, IRS happy, trying to keep our children clothed, desperately trying to figure out how to, if we have children, how to get them into college. If we don't have children, trying to figure out how we're going to pay for all these aunts, you know, nephews and nieces that keep springing up magically over the landscape. How we're going to, you know, handle each growing Christmas with all of them. And we have our own problems no matter where you're at in life. But in middle age, they really start coming fast. Now, numbness isn't a normal stage, but it happens after long periods of high stress, high output, and, and this is really my case, low maintenance. I did not stop to take care of my health. When I reached my peak earning at one point before I accepted the pastorate at this church years ago, now Pastor Devin is the lead pastor now, but years ago, um, I probably reached my uh, at my top earning potential as a writer and was doing really well and um, had everything going. But one thing I never mastered was how to set boundaries. Oh, I was bringing in the money, fine, but my family never saw me. Devin was a teenager at that time, and he really never saw me. And it was a rough time for him. And so I always had these deadlines and people calling and the phone calls. If you have your own business, you know exactly what it's like. The phone calls follow you wherever you go unless you set a boundary. And uh, I wasn't good at setting boundaries, and it, and it cost me, it cost my family. And then on top of that, because there was a deep desire in my heart to pastor, then I accepted the pastor of the church. And then, of course, the business suffered. Something's going to give somewhere. In my case, my business, which was really prospering, well, my income cut in half, and then it got cut in half again, and it cut half again, and uh, yeah, that one kind of went south real quick. But to me, that wasn't important because I really felt in my heart I was following God's will and purpose in pastoring the church. But again, those problems of setting boundaries followed me. Uh, by this time... Devin had found his own coping, coping mechanisms. Some of them were healthy, some of them weren't. He's pretty honest and transparent. He shares with you how he, he made his way through life. He even shared some of them while talking about teenage years. Um, by that time, Ian, our youngest son, uh, was pretty needy, and he saw even less of me. The fortunate thing with Pastor Devin was I probably spent more time with him than most dads ever get to uh, because by then I did have my own business and I did set aside time to go hiking and stuff. But I think I took him camping a total of once. It was. Isn't that sad? I mean, we went places and did stuff, but I'm talking about stuff that I really, those are one of the regrets that I cannot change, but I can make a difference now. 
uh, for everyone in my family. Boundaries are important. <clears throat> um, Juliana, uh, when I was talking with her about some of this, she said, you, you won't find your identity by, quote, going back, unquote, to recapture what you feel or, or what you lost or what you feel that you're losing. And that evokes pictures of the Porsche or the ragtop uh, Corvette, you know, the classic movie cliche where a guy leaves his wife and, and embraces a car or marries a secretary and crazy stuff. That stuff happens for real and it's very sad. That's because men and women lose themselves in this time period. And midlife crisis was coined, I think, around the 1960s uh, by a researcher and a psychologist because this thing was showing up in such a major way. And it's important that you and I not fall for that. We need to educate ourselves and understand how God made us and why we tick this way. Now, I want to show you something. We're going to go to the, to the scripture we read today. This is the Apostle John. Apostle John um, lived the longest of the 12. He saw his brother martyred. He saw every one of his companions murdered for the name of Christ. He suffered loss. Church tradition fairly strongly supported. It says that he was boiled in oil but survived. Um, he grew, he uh, probably had the un, unfailing hatred of one of the sorrier um, Roman emperors. And um, so he saw to it that this man suffered, but when he found out he couldn't kill him supernaturally, that's when he was banned, we believe, to the Isle of Patmos. But he wrote this in his late years. This was one of his last writings he wrote to the church as a letter. And what you see in here is you see him addressing generations. And it should be up. You guys can put that up again. And I want to point something out this, to you. That I, I went to this thinking I understood it and realizing, as is so often, you guys, the scriptures are alive. And it takes a lifetime of study. You don't, you can benefit from it at your first step. When you step in and you look in the Gospel of John, you'll benefit immediately from what it says. But as you grow, if you keep reading, keep studying, you'll find that God causes you to grow just like when you were a baby and maybe when you first got your first Dr. Zeus book or C. Dick Run, you got some understanding and it was a whole new world when you first started to read. But then three years later, it had grown. Twelve years later, it grew. By the time, if you do go to college and that's your bent, your understanding of literature and of things will grow tremendously. Scriptures trumps all that. As you go in Scripture, that's why Pastor Devin struggles and works to increase your knowledge of Scripture. It's not wrong to find that what you thought about a Scripture yesterday changes today. Because he is allowing the scriptures to expand in you and your understanding to grow. This is what happened with the scripture. Okay, this is John writing. Uh, if you read it in the King James, it comes across as fairly benign, not a big deal. But when you start reading this, it gives you a picture of a role for people in middle age. I remind you, my dear children, your sins are forgiven in Jesus' name. Anytime he says, my dear children, that's a pastoral 
That's a father in the faith talking to all the believers who read the letter. He's not talking about just little children. He's talking about all of us as the little children of God. Sometimes we're called the little flock. Okay? All of us together. Your sins are forgiven in Jesus' name. We need to remember that. You veterans, in the King James it says you fathers, because that was the way of the culture that day. But he's really talking about you mature believers, male, female, you mature believers. You were in on the ground floor, and you know the one. He's not talking about people who just knew Jesus personally when he wrote this letter. Jesus had been resurrected and left the earth decades and decades before. This is written to people that have been believers for many years, enough to see God's faithfulness. And he says, you veterans were on, in on the ground floor. I'm going to throw this on the floor because it looks good. Okay, you veterans were in on the floor, ground floor, and you know the one who started all this. Got experience. You newcomers, meaning young believers, in the King James, it says, ye young men, but it just means young believers. You have won a big victory over the evil one. He's acknowledging they've got strength. They've got courage. They've got guts. They've got creativity. They will launch out and take a risk. Good. The church needs risk takers, but he's not done. And then he goes back second time. I remind you, my dear children, as I do this, I want to remind you of the law of three. Or it's, I don't know, not necessarily a law, but it's the principle of threes. Whenever something is to be emphasized, Jesus would say it three times. Whenever a rule or a law or a guideline or an insight is important, it's, it's repeated three times. Watch the law of three in this phrase. I remind you, my dear children, number two, your sins are forgiven in Jesus' name. You veterans... We're in on the ground floor, and you know the one who started all this. You newcomers have won a great victory over the evil one. He acknowledges that. This guy is not senile. He's doing this on purpose. It's the principle of three. But the third time, he adds more. He labels it, and a second reminder, dear children, it's actually his third time around. You know the Father from personal experience. Now he's brought that personal experience up for all believers, not just the old ones, not just the ones in middle age. You veterans know the one who started it all, and you newcomers, such vitality and strength. There's a correction coming. God's Word is so steady in you. Correction and warning. This is for all of us. Your fellowship with God enables you to gain a victory over the evil one. In other words, don't brag. Don't get puffed up. Don't think you're all that in a bag of chips. It's your relationship with God, which is the key to overcome. What does that have to do for us? If you're in middle age, that's one for you. With all this stuff hitting you, if you're in the middle of wave after wave and you feel like you are about to drown in all this garbage, you need to remember, look at this. Your fellowship with God enables you to gain a victory over the evil one or over all the stuff that's coming in your life. Because I'm not just going to, I'm not up here just to rattle off all the bad things and the signs. Psychology Today, I looked this up, I looked up middle age. It's kind of humorous. It starts off with an article, 30 signs of middle age or middle age crisis. And then a few months go by and says, 40 signs 
of middle age and middle age crisis. I think it's just numbering because, see, every time they find a new one, they can write something that can be paid for to be treated. Anyway, uh, I won't go into that particular thing. But anyway, it's, it was depressing because I read them all and said, oops, that's me, that's, that's me, that one's me. Is there ever going to be anything on this list that isn't me? Nope. I was all of them. So I'm not going to go into those. You guys can look that up yourself, probably up to 120 signs of middle age, I don't know, or middle age crisis. <sighs> Apostle John was writing this to veterans, and he was saying, look, mature, seasoned believers, I want to remind you your history of experiencing God's faithfulness over the years and decades of trial and tribulation in your life, it matters. We want to go back and remember the bad things, the stuff we regret, the stuff we missed. We want to look forward, which we have no power over the future. We want to dread. What did Jesus say about the future? He said, sufficient unto the day is evil thereof. Don't worry about tomorrow. He knows us. He knows how we think. We're driven by this powerful engine sitting on top of our shoulders. Our mind is with us day and night, and if it's not properly governed, it'll get a virus in it that will poison your life and end your life prematurely. If your mind works against you, if you don't get your mind properly processed and, and anchored in something that doesn't change, it can end your life prematurely. We all know that wrong attitudes and emotions can actually trigger, feed, and expand the role of cancer in our bodies. The mind and, and our spirits are so important to our health and to our ability to overcome diseases. That's why doctors that, that care, and especially deal with people dealing with grief, they really watch their patients closely while they're going through grief because the pain of emotions lowers their immune system and makes them more susceptible to diseases that normally wouldn't even matter because the mind matters. What you think matters. The Old Testament, we're told in Proverbs that we should guard our heart and our mind, for out of it issue all the issues of life. Ancient wisdom. So that's why uh, Pastor Devin spends so much time showing us that there are guidelines in the Scriptures on how to order our thinking and how stinking thinking really can mess us up. And it just not has to do with, you know, confessing things and having the good things happen in your life, but even how you deal with crisis, how you deal with the changing seasons of life. And a lot of this is to help you relate to those of us who are in middle age or, like me, way over that. But I just encourage you guys, we need to learn how to communicate to each other, how to respect each other, and how to help each other in our different crises. Each season brings its problems. Each season brings its worries that can rob us of sleep and of health. And if we can make a difference in each other's lives, we're all going to prosper. I think recently, uh, I've, I've forgotten the exact thing, but the, the, I like that. That makes noise on a walkover. Uh, I'm about ready to throw another one down. Um, the bell curve or the, the balance of people over the age of uh, 40 or something like that recently shifted, and now there are more older people than there are people 
under the age of 40 in the United States because of the great World War II bump, you know, in the age group. So we need to understand how to relate to each other no matter what age we're in. I need to move on quickly. Hallelujah. I'm looking at my notes because I'm going to cut this baby down. You guys are probably glad about that. You're tired of hearing about the problems of middle age. Yeah, you're there. Yeah, I'm there with you too. You know, the times I've been able to help people, which are the times when I'm happiest, because that's, that's my heart. I just like to work with people. People make me happy, and I like to help other people get through life, and it's just the way God geared me. Uh, but I found that when I share experiences, even my failures, I can at least give them a laugh, you know. Uh, but if I can share something that will help them over the hump, it's incredible. And the greatest strength comes when I recall the times of God's faithfulness. These songs today were just powerful. They were anointed. But I think back now, over six decades of God's faithfulness, where I was aware of them and I could see them, and I started jotting them down. I remember praying over each of my newborn sons, battling potentially serious things and watching God come through for each of them. I remember, uh, and it sounds like, wow, but it really happened. I remember dodging banditos in Guatemala with a bunch of Mennonites. That was really weird. That's a great story. I remember uh, being lost in the wild island of the Philippines and being helped by a guard with an Uzi. That's interesting, you know. I mean, people that were supposed to pick me up, American uh, uh, employees and military are forbidden to even go on Mindanao without special permission because it's so dangerous. But um, so there I was and I was lost. And, and God provided for me and caused multiple miracles on that island visit. I remember um, praying over property in the most dangerous city in South America in Ecuador being guarded by a policeman with a machine gun and God's hand on me, feeling his anointing. Um, I remember miracles of provision for us as we've tried to follow God, usually stupidly sometimes, trying to obey Him and ending up with no money, no food, and people showing up with a pot of soup saying, we just happened to be in the neighborhood. Yeah, right. We didn't get on the phone and say, oh, God, you know, we didn't whine about it, didn't tell anybody, we just showed up. At the time we needed it, we'd actually set the table and people showed up with soup. We've had supernatural provision for us. And when I tell people about the faithfulness of God, I can say it with truth because I've experienced it. I haven't had every prayer answered. I do not have $6 million in a bank account someplace, but... I'm alive, I'm blessed, and I know that God is real. And if you, as a middle-aged person, are facing things like that, the best thing I can tell you, I'm going to see if there's anything that needs to go up on the screen, because I'm going to skip over a bunch of these things. There's a whole lot more we can share with you. I know every time we try and give you guys a care tip and also a lessons learned, and I'm trying to find that. I'm going to end this. I want to go to lessons learned, first of all. If there's any lessons we can learn that might help you and also help you understand, if you're in middle age, it'll help you. If you're trying to deal with somebody in middle age, it might help you understand them. Number one, slow down. 
Now, you have to go to work, you have to do those things, but you need to slow down, do it on purpose. Two, reset your thinking to see the value and the purpose of your season because it's there. Number three, enjoy life now. Wherever you're at, learn to enjoy it. You can find something that's enjoyable. I mean, I even enjoyed harassing my nurses when I was in the hospital for heart surgery. I mean, you might be goofy, but go ahead and be goofy. Who cares? It's your life. But just learn how to find joy in your life. And fourth, consistently make time to find who you are outside of what you do. I think the biggest trouble for me in my transition uh, has been finding who I am if my title changes. Because you know what? Who you are doesn't change. It just expands. All right. Uh, care tip. How can we love middle-aged people as weird as they are? Well, number one, affirm their qualities. These are, I got some help from Pastor Devin on this. Affirm their qualities and their personality outside of their jobs and their task. Love them for who they are, not what they do. It's especially true if they're handing you money all the time. No, you don't. And don't let your kids know that, okay? All right. Uh, number two, offer to help them get time away from their responsibilities. If there's a way, kind of like, you know, offering to help uh, parents with three kids or four kids, offering to, to take their kids swimming or do something so that they can get away. Figure out how you can help people in middle age. Sometimes just a day away or two days or a hectic five days to go to Florida, be beat up by the ocean and come back red as a lobster. That can change somebody's lives. So find ways to do that. Middle age is not a death sentence. It's a new season of possibilities and opportunities. And I close with this promise from Jesus. It's true for every age. Listen to this. This is great. This is from Matthew 11, 28 through 30 in the message. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for the grace to live this life your way, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Killing trees over here. What are you doing? Supposed to have this on your computer, you know? Look at these pages. Goodness gracious. Would you guys stay with me? Um, you don't have to be in the age group of 45 to 65 or 40 to 64, however you want to do it. You don't have to be in the age group to understand the crisis of the middle age. To be hectic, to be driven, to be numb is my favorite. Uh, when I talk to people who are in this space of life, that word numb, right? Uh, Pastor Larry talked about how uh, he and I both share sickness. We love to suffer. Uh, <clears throat> so on vacation, we go out in the waves. On the first day, it was calm and quiet and boring. I was done after about 30 minutes. The second day, 
Uh, you could probably shouldn't take your children there. And we did, of course. And so I took each kid one by one and we'd go as far as we could because I'm not very tall. And we'd just get battered for hours. Just, I mean, battered. Uh, why? I do not know. But there's a space in there where you just, somehow you go numb. Physically, I was out there with Rachel and she's just got this smile. She's about to, I mean, she loves the beach. Uh, if, if you haven't seen my little girl, she looks like Moana, okay? The, the ocean does call her, I promise you. And so she wants to go out every time and her brothers were not as brave as she was, okay? So I just talked them out, out into the ocean, so now the boys wanna go. So I take one back to the next boy. And Rachel the entire time was upset because she knows she's the only girl and the youngest. It's her right to be with daddy all the time. And so I had to take her back out, and I was exhausted and tired. And there, there comes a point, this wave hit me, and the water filled my ear, and uh, I'm still kind of suffering from that. Being a great dad is what it is, okay? And I couldn't hear anything. And, of course, like the side of my face is now numb, you know, from the, the waves and the salt. And, and, yes, it's hard on vacation. You can all feel sorry for me, I know. Amen. Hallelujah. But you just... At some point, as the waves are coming, right, and, you know, you have to do it. You're, you're a parent or you have work or, you know, you have family I take care of. At some point, you just kind of go, no, right? It was fun at first or I love doing it or, hey, this is some really important stuff. But at some point, you just are just doing it, right? And so I think there's something that we can all relate to this morning. The hard part about the scriptures is that God gives us an answer for everything that, that we're facing, it sounds a little bit self-serving, but the answer is the church. We, we talk about singleness. How do you, if it's not good for someone to be alone and they're not called to be married, what's the answer? Well, unfortunately, it's in the room right now. The struggle is that this is the place that God's called us to find the answers to all these things that we face. That's why this room has to be healthy. This room has to be fully present. This room needs more than your scraps. It's hard, we come in here and this is the place that gets the least of us. But there are people in this room who need you. And so for everyone who is going through the, the middle-aged phase of life, you come into this room numb. Our role for those people is to remind them who they are, to wake them up, to give energy back to these people, to encourage them. The hardest thing, I think, in this crisis of being in the middle-aged is that you are a parent or you are a, a, an aunt or a, even a grandparent. You are an employee or a boss. You are all these different things and that is what the waves are. And there's a point in here where you don't know who you are apart from those things. The hardest part about the middle-aged is holding on to who am I without these things that I'm doing. Who am I? I think this morning we can all we can all feel a little bit of that this morning. This is a corporate communion Sunday. We're short on time, so what I want to do, I want to close this out, and then I want to leave the table open, and you guys are going to be uh, dismissed. But if you want to come on your own as an individual, we're going to make this table available for you. So we're going to open up the the lids and get the bread ready. But if you want to take this on your own, we're going to make it available. But in this time, two things. As I pray over you guys, 
The first one says, I want you to, between you and the Lord, to ask the Lord, who, who, who am I without the things that I do? If my children or the, the grandchildren or the niece and the nephew are taken away, if my job and my duties, if my accomplishments, or maybe even this, maybe your failures, if those failures are taken away, who am I? There are some of you in the room who know yourself by your accomplishments because you have achieved those things you wanted to achieve. But there are others of you who only know yourself by your failures. You have not achieved those things that you told yourself you would. You haven't become that person. If you did sit down with your younger self, you would not be pleased with what you've become. And that's all that you see. Who are you if you stripped away your failures, your accomplishments, the things that you do, the titles, things that other people call you? And secondly, who in your life has forgotten who they are? So Father, we just come to you this morning. Holy Spirit, you have the ability to to speak to us in such clear and intimate ways. We ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would help us search through all the layers of our emotions, our experiences. And the first thing, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would remind us. Even right now, this morning, if you'd bring up an experience or just an image, just some kind of feeling or some kind of thought, remind us right now. If we pulled away all the things that we've done, all the things that we failed, all the things that we've accomplished, all the titles, all the busyness, the numbness, the, the, the cycle that never ends, if we pulled all that away, who are we? And secondly, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just put a face or name that you would show us who is the person in our lives that we need to encourage. Who is in our lives who has forgotten who they are? who only knows themselves as mom or dad or boss. Who is that person? So Father, we ask right now that you would just, that that how you see us will be planted on the inside of us. That that person, Lord, that that whoever it was you put on our heart, whoever that person is, that you would give us a clear image of who they are, that we would be a reminder every time they come around us of who they are, not what they do, not the titles they carry, but who they are, that we would see them as you see them. In Jesus' name. So what we're going to do is, I'm going to dismiss us. The worship team is going to stay here, and the, the elements are going to be here, and so you guys are free to, to go and grab the kiddos and do your stuff. But if you would like to stay and to spend time with the Lord, and the elements are going to be available. If you need prayer, there's going to be some people who can come up here and be available for prayer. Father, again, we ask that you would be present with us today. I pray for every individual in this room, Lord. You have given them a unique identity. The person that they are, no matter what they accomplish or fail at, we ask that that would be rooted and established inside of them in Jesus' name. Father, we speak blessing. Father, that you would continue to allow us to see ourselves, that we would see ourselves the way you see us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.